Aren't you glad he loves us? What she was singing there, I was thinking of, of Pop. He uh, always sat there in his pew, and when Lori would sing, there's a couple of songs that always brought tears to his eyes. That was one of them, and The Anchor Holds. And I was thinking back, yeah, if he was here, there'd be a tear. But I'm thankful the Lord loves us. And while they are going to Children's Chapel, we're going to go to the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. When you get there, go ahead and stand if you would. Isaiah 41, beginning in verse 1, the Word of God declares, Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near, then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot? Gave the nations before him and made him rule over kings. He gave them as the dust to his sword and as driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed safely, even by the way that he had not gone with his feet. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I the Lord, the first and with the last. I am he. The owls saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near and came. They helped everyone his neighbor. And everyone said to his brother, be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And he that smootheth with the hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, it is ready for the soldering. And as he fastened in, Fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. But thou, Israel, art my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Thou, whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time you've given us to assemble in your house and in your name. We come, Lord, with grateful hearts, thanking you for our salvation, the assurance of it. And Lord, we come with grateful hearts thanking you that you love us, Father. Even though, Lord, sometimes we're very unlovable. But dear God, no one loves us like you do. Now as I break the bread of life, give me the words to say and bring to my memory those things I've studied, prepared to share with your people. May they be fed your word. May I speak with boldness and authority those truths. And 
Dear God, you know our hearts. Pray that you'll just deal with them. And if there's a need, especially if there's one here that doesn't know your son as their Savior, that they'll have liberty to come through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Bless this service. May you be honored and glorified. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Be seated. I'm trying to get adjusted to new glasses. If any of you have ever gotten new glasses, it, seems it does this. So if I mess up when I'm reading, I got new glasses. That's what I'm going to blame it on. Not my education. Amen. Uh, this is a very interesting passage. Understand, God has called the nations of the earth before them... And he's told them, shut up, don't say a word, because I'm going to judge you. Now let me just say something. Even though that was back then, there's going to be a time when all the nations of the earth will one day stand before God, and he's going to judge us. And you know what he's going to judge us on? What we did with his son. Did we receive him as our Savior, or did we reject him? So judgment is coming. Everybody is going to be required to give an account to God. But you know, it's amazing to me. The arrogance and the pride of man. Amen? And that's basically why he brought them together. Now, let me just also say, this passage is interesting because it is a prophecy. It's a prophecy about Cyrus, the king of Persia, one day coming in power and defeating the Babylonians and therefore letting the children of Israel, because they were in captivity to the Babylonians, because of their sin and rebellion for 70 years, he comes, he takes over from Babylonian and he frees the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem. That's what this is. And let me just say something else about this. This is what amazes me. This was a prophecy. This was hundreds and hundreds of years before there was even a Babylon. Before there was even a Cyrus, king of the Persians. Tell me God don't know who he is and what he's doing. Amen. God is something else. So, let's jump down to verse 4. And I'm going to preach from there. We don't know that God called all of the nations of the earth to come before him. He's going to judge them. And we get to verse 4 and it says, Who has wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord. Let me stop right there. It would be wrong of me to even try to move on without declaring that he stands above all. Listen. He's not a God of many gods. He's not a Lord of many lords. He is, in fact, the Lord. Amen. There's none like Him. He is the Lord of creation. The timetable of the world has no effect on God. Before there was time, God was. After this old world is gone, God's still going to be. He is the Lord. 
And what just lights my shocks is this God. God who formed it all. This God that created everything just by speaking has allowed me to have a relationship with him. I pinch myself. I don't understand it. But if you're saved, this God I'm describing, this Lord, has allowed us to have a relationship with him through the sacrifice of his son. That's amazing. And the sad thing is, God has to call the nations, he has to call man before him and prove who he is. And that's the problem with the world today. You see, the man, man is very prideful and arrogant. You see, man thinks that he knows more than God. He's in control of his own destiny. Can I tell you, if you believe that man is in control, then you are what the Word of God describes a humanist. That is a false doctrine that is out there being taught today. Man is in control of his life. Man is in control. Good karma. You can be what you want to be without ever thinking you have to stand before God and give an account for what he's given you. But you see, God here, this passage is about two things. It's either about we as man continue in our arrogance and pride or we realize God has given us provision and we recognize him for who he is. And I'll go ahead and say it. People today, you have two choices. Your pride and arrogance or you depend on the providence of God to sustain you and equip you, and give you everything you need. Listen, I can't do nothing about the world. world's in bad shape. Will you agree with me there? The world's in bad shape. It's getting worse and worse, and it's going to continue to be worse until he comes back, talking about the Lord. But listen, I can't control it. You can't control it. But there is a sovereign God on his throne in heaven that is in control of everything. We may not like what's going on, and God may allow things that we don't care for, but that doesn't change the fact that God is in control. Nothing's going to happen without God. Amen? So, he says, I the Lord. And let me just say this. That word Lord, you know what that word means? It's a personal name of God. It means redeemer, deliverer, and beloved. Here's the good thing about that name. He has delivered us from the judgment at the great white throne. He's delivered us from that if you've trusted Jesus as your personal Savior. You have that not to fear. And he has delivered us from the slavery of sin. He's redeemed us, Brother Ciro. We're redeemed. He purchased us when he died and gave his life on the cross. 
What a Savior. He's the Lord. But notice what it says. I, the Lord, the first and the last. We've read that somewhere. I think we read that in Revelations not too long ago. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha, the Omega. Again, he, this is something you need to understand. You need to understand. And that is this. Don't know where he came from, but he's always been. And there's lots of people you talk to. Well, where did God come from? Who cares? Look around. Know there's a God. Don't let God call you a fool. Listen, if God calls you a fool, you're a fool. Amen? You are literally a fool if God calls you one. And what did he say? Psalm 14, 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Remember the man that was rich and had plenty, had to tear down his barns. What did he say? Thou fool, this night your soul shall be required of you. That's the second person I've read about God said, you're a fool. Understand, he has... No beginning, no end. Listen, he's not going to wear out. He's not going to pass out. And he's not going to die. He is the beginning and the end. Again, where he comes from, it doesn't matter. I just know he is here. Always been. Always will be. And when this old world dies off, guess what? He'll still be on his throne. Think about that for a second. I am the first and the last. You see, he's trying to convince man who he is. It's a shame that God has to prove himself to any of us. After all, we were created by him. He says, first and the last, I am where have we seen that I am before? Well, remember God instructed Moses, when you appear before Pharaoh, you tell him, I am sent you. And all I am is, he's just confirming he's who he said he was. What a God. Now, notice how the people respond. Owl saw it and feared the ends of the earth were afraid, drew near and came. And they helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, Be of good courage. Again, keep in mind, they are gathered before God for judgment. And the reason they were being judged is because the Gentile world at that time thought that they controlled the destiny of the world, they controlled all things. The devil has tried to convince our world and society that, you know what, we control our own fate. There's not a God to be afraid of. or There's not a heaven or a hell. We just live and live life as large as we can. What a lie. What a lie. But notice, God is appealing to them that he is the sovereign God of the universe. He is going to hold everyone in judgment, and we're going to 
give an account to him. But notice what it says here, the Gentile nations. Notice it said, it says, And they helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, Be of good courage. What's he saying there? He's talking about the Gentile world is trying to convince one another that everything's going to be a Okay, there's not a God. Don't believe in God. And by the way, you know why they didn't believe in God? Although they believed in something. And I'll go ahead and say it. I don't care what atheist you talk to. They believe in something. But the Gentile world in those days, this is what's so funny. They made idols. They built they're gods out of rock and out of wood. And they fashion these things that look like birds and all these other crazy looking things. And they would worship and they would bow, but they didn't believe in the living God. But here's the deal. Been many, many years since the book of Isaiah was written. All of those idols are gone. And all of the people that worship those idols are gone. But there is a God in heaven still on his throne and he's always going to be on that throne. Why? Because he is God. He has the essence and the power to do everything at his will. And no one can take his power away no one can take his will away God is going to do what God wants to do now that's good stuff again I don't serve a God of gods I serve God and him alone amen so Again, oh, let's encourage one another. It's okay. You don't have nothing to worry about. And there's nothing wrong with encouraging someone, coming alongside them. But listen to me. You better keep God in the process. You leave him out, you're in trouble. Amen? You're in trouble. Now, the Word of God declares... So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And he that smootheth with the hammer that smote the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. Again, you see, they were encouraging one another. There's no God, nothing to fear. No one to be accountable to. Just live your life. There's nothing to this. And beloved, that's where the world is today. They don't believe in God. They think that they're their own God, to be quite honest. And that they are going to live forever. And that there's nothing to worry about when it comes to eternity. There's no account given and there's no heaven, there's no hell. When you die, you just die and return to dust of the earth. Well, I am here to tell you, God made us a living soul. 
And that soul will live either in heaven or in hell. The choice is yours. But, oh, everything's good. You see, goldsmiths were told, go ahead, make you go. Strike her with a hammer that flattens. Go ahead. And then the nail, let's finish it. What are they trying to complete? Their own God, their idol. And look at what God says. Again, we've read a prophecy that the children of Israel would one day return to Jerusalem. Even though God had to punish them. Put them in captivity to the Babylonian Empire. God was still there on his throne and God still was going to take care of them. Can I tell you something? We as believers, even though the world is in the shape she's in and it's going to get worse, and yes, we go through trials. Yes, there's things that go on that we don't understand and we don't care for, and that might even affect us one day, like preaching, teaching, assembling in the house of God. Those things could happen. We may not care for that. We may not like that. But can I tell you, God's still sovereign, God's still on his throne, and God's going to take care of us, just as he did children of Israel. And by the way, before we throw rocks at Israel, oh, those guys never got it. They're always getting in trouble. Can I tell you something? We are no different than Israel. We are the same. We are exactly the same. But in spite of our weaknesses, our sins, our rebellion, God loves you and me. And he will never leave us or forsake us. Notice what it says. But thou, Israel, art my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, and the seed of Abraham, my seed. Let me again remind you. Israel came from the loins of Abraham. Understand, Abraham came out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. That was a wicked, pagan, idolatrous country that he came out of. And then the children of Israel, because of sin and rebellion, for 400 years, they were slaves in Egypt. God sent Moses to lead them out for 40 years because of rebellion and sin. They wandered in the wilderness. But the Lord didn't forget his promise. And even though he had every right, I'm done with these people. They're stiff-necked, heart of heart. They don't want nothing to do with me and they don't want to obey my commandments, I'm done. He didn't do that. I'm thankful he didn't do that with us. Amen? So anyways, because of the seed of Abraham, what did he call him? My friend. Notice what else it says. Thou whom I have taken from the end of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, at, and what not cast thee away. As I said a moment ago, 
everything that Israel suffered, and yes, they brought it on themselves, God still didn't cast them away. So what are you saying, Brother John? I'm simply saying this. Even though sometimes we fail the Lord a lot more often than we want to admit, because of his love for us and for the sacrifice of his son, he has promised to never, ever cast us away. Talking about security. Amen. We have it. We have it. And then, this is what he promises the children of Israel. Oh, yes, they're going into captivity. Yes, they're accountable for their sins. And God being holy and righteous as he is, hey, he can't look upon sin. He can't tolerate sin. So what does he do? He judges them. What was the judgment? Captivity to the Babylonians. But this is what he tells them. Fear thou not. Even though you're going to be in captivity, it's going to be bad. Don't fear. Why? Because I am ever mindful of you. Understand, he's mindful of us also. He understands where we are in our journey. He understands what we need. He is always mindful of us. So no matter what we go through, know that God is mindful. All we need to do is keep trusting Him and have courage and faith in Him. Fear thou not. So don't fear. And let me just throw this in and I won't charge you. Listen. He's going to take care of us no matter what comes our way, Brother Ciro. Understand, it won't be things that we like or are happy about. In fact, there may come a time that we're just downright discouraged and want to throw our hands up and quit. But listen to me. He doesn't lead us to die in the desert. He leads us to the place where we are Totally, 100% dependent upon Him. Understand that. A lot of times, it's for our good. Now, I guarantee you, the Israelites being in captivity, being slaves to the Babylonians, I assure you, none of them thought it was good. Because their freedom was gone. They had no rights, no privileges. But it was for their good because you know what it did after they returned to Jerusalem? Turned them back to God. Now they didn't stay there. But they were turned back to God. So he says. Fear thou not. And then it says. For I am with thee. Take comfort in knowing. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. He's always there. So no matter what we go through, God is with us. And then he says, be not dismayed. (laughs) Yeah, there's things going on in the world that I get dismayed about, that's for sure. How our world, our nation 
can turn so far away from God. How we can allow the things that we allow to go on. And I become dismayed. But listen to me. As long as God is on his throne, he's in control. So why do I have to worry about it? It's all in his hands. It's going according to his plan and his will. Then he says, for I am thy God. Answer me a question this morning. Can you say he's your God? I pray you can. And let me tell you, there's only one God. You can't have several gods. You can't have a God for this and a God for that. No, no, no. He is the only God. Can you say he's your God? And then he says, I will strengthen thee. Even when you're weak, he was declaring to the children of Israel as they were taken into captivity, even though you're weak, you think you can't go on, look to me. I will deliver you and give you strength to be able to handle what you're going through and facing. Let me ask you this morning, where would you and I be if the Lord didn't give us strength to take on and carry on the things that we have faced in our lives? Loss of a loved one, a child, spouse, loss of a family. Me and Roy watched a documentary the other night on a volcano that hit New Zealand. Y'all remember that? It's been four or five years ago. And anyways, they were in New Zealand. They were touring this site. Guess what happened? That volcano erupted while they were there. And there was a husband, wife, and their two kids. And anyways, out of that family, the husband, wife, and the daughter died and it was just the son. He had how many surgeries had he had? 20-something surgeries. I mean, it just ripped this flesh right off of him. He, he had to go through all these surgeries. I mean, he lost everything. My point was there was 20-something people that lost their lives. And as bad as that is, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get to is this. Even though he did all, he himself had to suffer I guarantee if you've ever been burnt to where the skin just came completely off, it's painful. Even though he had all of these surgeries physically. Then he lost his mother and his father and they never did find his sister. They never recovered her body. Even though after all of that, he said there was something that gave me the strength to get up and get out of there. He says, I looked for my parents, but they weren't nowhere around. I couldn't see. He goes, it's pitch black. You can't see nothing. All you can do is feel the steam burning you. He said, there was something that gave me strength to not give up and to go on. Looked at her and said, we know that's God. God wasn't done with that young man. 
In fact, it ain't going to surprise me if one of these days he may be preaching somewhere after a tragedy like that. But my point is this. God will always give us strength. All we have to do is call upon him and ask for it. And that's what the children of Israel did. I'm sure there's many times felt like, can't go on. No, Father, I'm done. This is it. I'm going down for the third time. But God gave them strength. And then the word of God says this. I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God gave them security. Security. You see, here's the thing. Because of who we are in Christ, He owns us, we belong to Him, and He is never going to turn us away. And there is no devil or no hell or no demon or anything in this world that can separate us from his love and security we have in Christ Jesus. Nothing! So I'm not worried about tomorrow because I know who holds tomorrow. I am not worried about tomorrow. I am not worried about, oh, what if I stub my toe? What am I going to do? He's going to cast me away. He's going to push me away because I crossed the line. I'd get close to it, but I finally crossed the line, and now he's done with me. No! We are secure in Christ Jesus If you know him as your savior, you have nothing to fear. And that's what he's trying to teach these Gentile nations. Stop putting all of your pride in a basket and start depending upon me and my provision. That's the simple passage to understand. That is a very simple application. Provision or pride? You must decide. Amen? Uh, That'll be the title of the message, brother. Provision or pride, you must decide. I'm not too good at that, but praise the Lord, he is. But what are you trusting in? You see, here is the thing, and I'm going to hush. The Lord has provided everything that we need to get us from here to there with him. It's all been provided for. But the question is, have you accepted him? Have you received him as the savior of your soul? If you haven't, praise the Lord, we're going to have an invitation to give you that opportunity. But I urge you this morning. The Lord can't stand pride and arrogance. We have to humble ourselves. You can't come down the aisle and say, Boy, I deserve to be saved. I'm so good. Lord, you're, you're lucky to have me. 
uh, don't worry about it. I know if you keep that attitude much longer, you'll be coming down the aisle, but you'll be in a casket. Because God don't play. So you're trying to scare me? No, I'm just trying to share a fact with you. But there are people that have that attitude. We have to approach God humbly. Lord, I'm a sinner. Ain't nothing I can do about it. There's no way I can work or earn to be righteous. In fact, Lord, I'm not even worthy to look upon you. But Lord, best I know how, will you save me? I'm a sinner. Save my soul. I believe you are the Son of God. You died on the cross for my sins. And Lord, death, hell and the grave couldn't keep you in the tomb. You rose again. And you promised to forgive me and take me to heaven. Pray that prayer and mean it. Humbly. That very moment you're saved, your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life and you never have to worry about another thing as far as being saved. Oh, we still have to live for him. And if you're truly saved, you'll want to. I've yet to f- talk to a genuine Christian that says, Oh, I regret coming to the Lord. I had to give up so much. I didn't give up nothing, but Jesus gave up everything. Everything.
mindful. Just as the nations of the earth were called before God to give an account, you and I are called to give an account to God. And as I said earlier, the only thing that will matter is do you know Jesus? Is he your Savior? That's it. 